sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. Last week, we began what I am considering to be one of the most epic sermon series that we've ever um, taken on here at Hope. Over the next three months, we are going to be walking our way through the entire gospel of Matthew and looking at Jesus' life and, and, and seeing what we see and hearing what we hear so that we can know our Savior. Today we continue on in that journey through the book of Matthew um, and, and we'll look today at the account that he has recorded of the baptism of Jesus. I'll ask you to please stand for the works and words of Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. <clears throat> then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. <clears throat> but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. What happened to the baptism of Jesus? What happened to, to celebrating this church holiday? Did you know this? That, that for many, many years in the Christian church, this Sunday in particular was, it was can't miss worship. It, it was the worship service that people would not miss, kind of like we treat Easter, kind of like we treat Christmas nowadays. It was can't miss worship, the baptism of Jesus. Also, you know, preparing for this Sunday, something I learned is that this Sunday, the baptism of Jesus was also can't miss preaching. You know, you go back and you read some church fathers and, and, and you, you see what they wrote. And, and I came to understand that many of their most beloved, faith-filled, comfort-filled sermons were preached on the occasion of the baptism of Jesus. You guys like... Ignatius of Antioch, guys like Chrysostom, guys like Jerome, guys like many years later, like Martin Luther. For 1,500 years at least, this was it. The baptism of Jesus. It was can't miss worship. It was can't miss preaching. And so what happened? Now, I, I'm not blaming for this, you for this. If, if there's anyone to blame, it's me. But I'm guessing that unless you read my email for this Sunday, I'm guessing that nobody knew that they were coming in today to celebrate the baptism of Jesus. Why? What made it so that this, this major church holiday has now faded into almost obscurity? I've got a couple theories. Um, first theory is this, perhaps the most obvious. Christmas happened. 
You know, Christmas, it only started coming out, it, it only started being celebrated, you know, a couple centuries after Jesus was born. And originally it was just the one day, and then it became 12 days, and then it became all of December. And, and, and nowadays it's encroaching way into November too. So that, you know, it's, Christmas has become so big now that people are starting to not celebrate it because it's just too much. And then you get New Year's. And by the time you get to the middle of January, it's just too much. You've all partied out. So one of my theories, the reasons that we perhaps don't celebrate this church holiday anymore is because we're all partied out. I have another theory that perhaps the reason that the church has stopped celebrating the baptism of Jesus so much is because of bad teaching about baptism. There's bad teaching about baptism going on everywhere. Maybe a hundred years or so ago, you would never hear anyone talking about this like this. But I, I grabbed it off of one of our local churches, a local Tigard Beaverton church. Their Facebook post, they're having a, a baptism Sunday this Sunday. Uh, they said, come and show how much you love Jesus. Because baptism, right? This is what bad teaching says. Bad teaching says that, bad, that baptism is something that you do for Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is so clear about this, that, that baptism is something that God, in His grace, does for you and in you. That in baptism, through the water, through the Word, the Holy Spirit washes you clean and forgives your sins. It's not something you do for Jesus. It's something God does for you. Oh, I think bad teaching happened to the baptism of Jesus. Those are two theories, but I don't think those two even go all the way to the heart of this. Why is it that we don't celebrate the baptism of Jesus? I'll ask you to consider a question in your heart today. Do you think that the reason that we don't, that you don't celebrate so much the baptism of Jesus is because we don't understand just how much we need it. I ask you that question because in this account we have something unique, something kind of cool. We have a character, John the Baptist, who understood so deeply his need for his baptism. You know, he's there at the Jordan River. He's wearing his camel skin. He's eating his strange diet. He's this wild man, and people are coming to him to be baptized. He's baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sins, and Jesus walks up to him, and John tries to stop him. It's a little bit awkward. Now, John is described in the Bible as, as the greatest prophet since the prophet Isaiah. He's this great, great prophet. He's well known. And Jesus comes to him and he tries to stop Jesus from doing something saving. Why? It's because he knew all too well his need for his Savior, his need for his own baptism, his need for his own forgiveness of sins, he stood in front of Jesus and said, no, you need to baptize me. 
he understood his need for baptism. And now I want to turn that question on you. It's kind of an extension of the question I already asked. Do you think the reason that we don't celebrate the baptism of Jesus is because we don't understand our own need for our own baptism? Do you understand your need for your baptism? Now, I, I often wonder what it would be like to, to stand where John the Baptist stood and be in the presence of Jesus. I do. I often wonder that. What would it be like? What would it feel like? You know, my first impulse, knowing what I know about Jesus, that he is my Savior, I think it would be so wonderful to be in his presence because I know that he knows me. And I know that he doesn't just know about me. I know that he knows me. He knows who I am and he sees the faith in me that was put there by the Holy Spirit and he rejoices in that. I know that, that Jesus, he rejoices in me. And he rejoices that I'm going to be with him forever. But at the same time, you know, I asked this question, what do you think it would be like to be in Jesus' presence? I asked that question to a couple people this week and immediately their response was, oh, I'd feel a lot of things, but I think I'd be feeling really scared. Right? Knowing that Jesus knows you means knowing that Jesus knows all of your sin, all of your hypocrisy, all of your shame. I often wonder what it, would, what it would be like to catch Jesus' eye. You know, when someone looks at you and, they, and, and you can just sense that they see you. I wonder what it would be like to be seen by Jesus like that. To know that he looks at you and he sees into you. He sees through you. He sees throughout you. What I know is that standing in the presence of Jesus, we would all feel our deep need to be washed by him, to be cleansed by him, to be made holy by him. I remember feeling that way when I was a kid. When I was, when I was young, probably when I was, this is probably when I was five or six years old, my my dad was a missionary in Houston, Texas. He, his mission was to reach out to the Vietnamese community of Houston, Texas. And he and my mom and our whole family, we worked so hard to reach out to, to that community. My parents, they even bought a 15-passenger van to, to carry around us seven kids. But also, every Sunday morning, they'd go out and, they, and they'd pick up people from different apartment complexes. They'd go pick them up and they'd drop them off at church. They'd go out for another load. They worked so hard to gather these people because they knew that if they didn't share the gospel with these people, they would never hear the name of Jesus. And so my dad would work so hard to try and learn Vietnamese so that he could share the gospel of Jesus with them. And, and my mom would work so hard to teach the kids about Jesus at the same time. And and, and during that time, I remember the Sunday school kids, Vietnamese kids, um, and, and the regular congregation as well, they got together um, to sing a song in church. And, and my mom worked so hard to teach 
those Vietnamese kids, those words so that they could proclaim the gospel of Jesus to the whole church. And, and I was so bored. And so when it came time to sing in front of church, I decided I'm not going to sing. I'm going to dance. And so the time came to sing. I went up there and I danced to the song. I did not sing. And the whole church laughed. And it might sound like this was hilarious, but it was not hilarious. You know, I went home and my parents were not angry with me. They were sad. They were so sad because they knew that no one heard the gospel those children were proclaiming. All they saw was a dancing kid. And I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot. I, I learned that it's a lot worse to make my parents sad than it is to make them angry. But I also learned what shame feels like. I remember coming to church the next couple of weeks, and, and this is not a right way to feel, but I remember wondering what would happen if Jesus would walk in the back of the church and he'd look at me and he'd see how naughty I was. I knew how much I needed saving. I felt that. I'm leaning into this today because I really want you to consider this question. Do you understand how much you need a Savior? It's so easy to think that Jesus is far off and, and we're here, we're, we're dealing with our own stuff by ourselves, we're dealing with our own sins by ourselves, but that's not the case. It's not reality. We're face to face with Jesus. He is among us. We need his grace. We need his forgiveness. We need our baptisms. <clears throat> I was going back with one of, my, one of my friends. He's a pastor and he's preaching on the same text today. And we were going back and forth about how badly we need the grace of God as pastors. And he sent me this email, and it cut me to the heart. He wrote about the grace of God. He said, we all need grace because we fail, because we lie, because we hide things, because we get mad when we don't get our way, because we gossip, because we're impatient, because we're ungrateful, because we're selfish, because we hold grudges because we don't forgive, because we slander, because we manipulate, because we shift blame, because we think we're better than others, because other people's sin bothers us more than our own, because we don't trust God. Bottom line, we all need grace. Why do you think I'm sharing this with you? Because this is who we are, really. We need to see just how badly we need our Savior. Do you think this is the reason why we don't celebrate so much the baptism of Jesus? Perhaps this is another another reason here, perhaps we don't celebrate the baptism of Jesus much because we don't understand much what the baptism of Jesus meant, right? That's valid. I, I want, that's where I want to go next. I want to show you what the baptism of Jesus really means here. 
That's what Jesus cared about. Before I share with you again what Jesus said, I want to emphasize something here, that Jesus is part of the triune God. He, he as God, has always been. There was no time when Jesus was not. He has always been around. Jesus did not begin on Christmas Day. But these are his first words recorded in the Gospels. That's momentous. And I want you to know that that's momentous, that these are the first words that Jesus is speaking, that, that these words are going to frame everything that he does. This is what Jesus said. He said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I want to make a lesser point before I get to my major point here. The lesser point is this. I, I wanted to share this with you because it was so comforting this, to me this week. I was reading a sermon by another Wells pastor who, who made this his major point. That Jesus said, it is proper for us to do this. There's so much grace in that word, us. That, that Jesus went to his cousin John and he said, John, you're part of this. God is going to use you too to carry out his plan of salvation. Did you know that that's the same for us? That God uses us to carry out his plan of salvation for people? I want to share with you how comforting it is that Jesus said it is proper for us to do this. John felt like he wasn't worthy. John felt like he wasn't enough. John felt like he wasn't the the right person to be able to baptize Jesus. I know that you here this morning are maybe feeling the same way because I know that I felt that way. I know that, that sitting here this morning, you might feel like you're not enough, like your faith isn't strong enough, like you don't have the right words, like you're not able to do this. But Jesus said, it is proper for us To do this, you get to participate in the salvation plan for people. That's my lesser point. Now I want to move on to my major point. Jesus said that it is proper for us to do this to do what? To fulfill all righteousness. You see that? Jesus said to fulfill all righteousness so that all righteousness could be fulfilled for us. It was necessary for Jesus to be baptized. I'm showing you that Jesus' baptism was necessary for our salvation. Why? You look at the context here. John was there on the banks of the Jordan River and sinners were coming to him. All kinds of sinners were coming to him. Tax collectors were coming to him. Teachers of the law were coming to him. The most vile lawbreakers were coming to John to be baptized by him so that their sins could be forgiven. And then Jesus came and he said, put me in there too, John. Why did he do that? You know, it could have gone another way. <clears throat> Jesus could have come to, to John and he said, hey, he could have, he could have said, hey, hey, cousin, let's go. <laughs> 
Let's do this together. You stand over there. I'll stand over here. We're going to baptize more people, the two of us here. We're finally going to start a movement here. We're finally going to start this revolution. We're finally going to baptize enough people to, to change hearts so that people start acting less terrible to each other. John, we're going to do this. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to John and he said, put me in the water too. That's why I'm here. To fulfill all righteousness for people. Put me in the water. That's why I'm here to stand in the place of sinners. To take their sin. To carry it. And to bury it. Jesus did not come, Jesus' baptism was not for this. He did not come to stand on the banks of the Jordan to preach down at us. He came to be baptized, to stand in our place. See, Jesus' baptism, the reason that this was so celebrated is that Jesus' baptism is his first splash in his saving work, his first time that he, that he stood in our place. He's standing in for us. This is the meaning uh, of the baptism of Jesus. You can think of the surprise of this. You can think of the irony of this, that Jesus came to John and to all of us. He came to all of us and he said, look, you need to baptize me. And then us, we're so caught up in ourselves. We said, no, we need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, you're wrong. I need to be baptized so that I can fulfill all righteousness for you. Never thought of it like this before. But when Jesus was baptized, he was baptized for the exact opposite of us. When we're baptized, when you are baptized, you know, a few weeks ago, little baby Titus, he was baptized. When, when Titus was baptized, he was baptized into Jesus. When Titus was baptized, he received the grace of God. He received faith. He received eternal life. He received Jesus' own holiness. When we are baptized, we're baptized into Christ, into his work, into his salvation. When Jesus was baptized, he was baptized into us, into what we had earned for ourselves, into our death. Jesus was baptized into that so that he could carry our sins straight to the cross so that he could die for them and on the third day rise for us. This is why Jesus was baptized. To take our place. To take our sins. There's a wonderful hymn that was written for the occasion of the baptism of Jesus, and we're going to sing that song at the end of this worship service. It shows us what it means that Jesus stood in our place at the baptism, at his baptism. I'm going to give you a line from that hymn so that you can recognize it later. It's so beautiful, so clear that Jesus came to be our substitute. The hymn says, Rise, faint hearts, be resolute. This man is Christ, our substitute. 
See, the celebration of the baptism of Jesus happens when we understand what it means. Could it be that we don't celebrate it so much because we don't understand how badly we need it? I think so. I want to be clear on this. We should celebrate it. We should celebrate it. I have no doubts about the fact that we should celebrate it because you can look in this text and you can see just how thoroughly heaven celebrated the baptism of Jesus. All of this defies what I can explain with words. Matthew described that heaven was opened. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that was perceived. I don't know what that was like, but heaven was opened. And as heaven was opened, the Holy Spirit himself came down in a form that people could see, in the form of a dove, and that dove was on Jesus' shoulder. And as heaven was opened, there was a voice that boomed out. I don't know what it sounded like, but it was the voice of God the Father. And the voice boomed out and said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. You have the Father there booming out from heaven. How proud he is of his Son. The whole triune God showed up to celebrate the baptism of Jesus. To celebrate that God's saving plan for our salvation was going to be carried out. Do you think we celebrate the baptism of Jesus enough? Maybe not. I don't think we ever could. And one thing that I think about what's going to happen in heaven is we're going to spend eternity marveling at these mysteries and, and celebrating just how good God is that he would do this for us. And that brings me to my final point today. In the end, obviously, the baptism of Jesus is not about our celebrating of it. The baptism of Jesus is about us understanding just how deeply, profoundly we need a Savior and seeing our Savior Jesus standing in our place, taking our sin, all the way to the cross. That's our Savior. Let's pray. We praise you, Father, that you sent your Son, that you sent him to save us. We praise you, Jesus, that you didn't want to stand on the banks of the Jordan but you wanted to get into the water with us and for us to carry our sin. We praise you, Spirit, that you anointed Jesus for this saving work. And we ask, holy triune God, that you would come down to us through this and give us your joy. In your great name we pray. Amen. Amen.